Welcome to Gritty Girls, the podcast. I'm Jillian Christie, and my passion and calling is really all about helping as many women realize that they have a scalable superpower, grit. If you're into hearing from badass, world-class women who just happen to be top chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, artists, and activists on how they achieve their loftiest goals despite their greatest life challenges, then you don't want to miss the Gritty Girls podcast. Your journey to get inspired by phenomenal women around the globe and to learn how to cultivate more grit in your life starts now. From a very young age, Sarah Hernholm knew her calling was to be an advocate for youth. During her formative years, she was the victim of bullying, and during that painful season in her life, she discovered a stronger version of herself, a version that told her she would never let that happen to other kids under her watch. During this episode, you'll learn of her personal and professional struggles, and just how she developed her staying power and gritty approach to entrepreneurship so that in 2009, she could become the founder of WIT, Whatever It Takes, a thriving community for young people where she provides entrepreneur education to tweens and teens around the world. Miss Sarah, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. Interwebs, I we haven't chatted in gosh, it's gotta be a good month at least. Like I know, actually it's not it, you know it's not good. That's not normal for us. So it's, this is it's very normal here. Yeah, it's very well, I'm I feel very grateful to have you. And um I was reflecting on kind of like our first bonding experience, and it was it was on the top of this incredible mountain called Powder Mountain in Utah. And we sat in this beautiful yurt. I'm feeling blessed at this point, just like being done working like a long, uh, producing a long event of sorts. And you and I were just catching up on like who we are, like, like, you know, kind of really getting to know each other on a deeper level. And that was one of, you know, my favorite moments with you. And I cherish that, that true bonding so very much. Well, I know the moment that you're talking about and I remember everybody else for the, for the listener were like on top of this mountain in this <laughs> weird cabin place and everybody had gone down. And I think we both, even though we had, we didn't really know each other as, as what, clo- super close yet. We both kind of were like, we wanted to stay back. We weren't ready to like be with all the people. We had this big event and there had been some ups and downs with it. And it was like, we just kind of found each other after everybody left. And we just sat there in this yurt style environment. And I just remember like, we were just us and we were talking. And I remember something that I kept saying over and over again, either I said it out loud or I said it to myself, but it was, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And it was just this getting to know you experience. And then it's been that way ever since with lots of good shenanigans and adventures and things. It's, I love it. I love it. It's my favorite moment of us. And like, you know, I mean, clearly there's going to be more great moments, but it's just such a great story of, of beginnings. And and that's exactly why I wanted to, to bring you on Gritty Girls because I didn't know that about you. Like <laughs> all these amazing things that, that all these ingredients of Sarah Hernholm that made you who you are. You're such an amazing woman. 
And I just, I knew I had to have you on here to tell your story because you've, you've had a journey, girl. You've had a journey. I see you as this incredibly strong-willed woman who has made, made this incredible company out of seemingly thin air, out of something <laughs> that, that, you know, it's not so easy, right? Something that really spoke to your heart and something that was so like important and passionate within your soul to kind of, uh, to birth from that feeling and from that um, perceived need in the world, right? Um, and we'll get into more of, of what wit, whatever it takes is. Um, but I was just so pumped to have you on as not only an extraordinary woman in that sense, but also um, a friend and seeing like what you have really pushed through to get to that this amazing place, right? Um, so I know you were, were you a grade school teacher or were you like, it was elementary, right? Yes. Before I, before I'm doing what I'm doing now, I was, I was a teacher. And then before that I was working in TV and film. So to any of your listeners who think they have to have like one career or one thing that's not true. I mean, if that's right for you and is good for you, then yes, follow that. But if you're somebody who has a lot of interest or is curious about trying different things, uh, that's okay too. So I've had three different careers. I mean, it was film and television, then it was education, and then it was uh, launching what I do now, WIT. And I'm already thinking about my next thing. Uh, So it hasn't uh, been one thing since I was, you know, this whole time. When, when, so you're saying like, when you were a kid, did you grow up thinking, I want to be in film and television? Is that, was that your initial dream? What's really funny is I think it was two or three months ago. I think we've all kind of lost track of time, but I had to do a clean out of things. Gosh, maybe it was even six months ago. And I found all these old uh, papers and journals and, and things like that. And I found this paper that I had typed. So that's like letting aging myself, like type on type. And, or, or whatever it was, but it like looked like typing. Like it didn't look like a computer font. And it said, I was talking about what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I had said that I want to be an actress or a teacher. And then I explained why I wanted to be one of those things. And it came down to wanting to help people and share stories or something like that. And I, I took a picture of it and posted it on my Instagram. And I was thinking, gosh, I mean, that's what I think is always so interesting is our younger selves do know what's up. We kind of, well, I'll speak for myself. I kind of lost that during certain parts of my life and times in my life. But coming home to yourself is just kind of coming home to, in my case, my 10-year-old self that really kind of knew what was what she wanted to do. And... So I'm, I think this chapter in my life right now is, let me think if this is going to be true, is, is the most, is the truest version of myself since I was younger. Mm, I, I love, I'm really, love like, that. I think I'm really doing uh, work that I'm supposed to be doing while also thinking about the things that I still want to do and the dreams that I still have and, and carving out the time to honor those, not saying, well, you're too old or you're too this, or that's like, that's weird. How would you explain that? I'm not worrying about that. I'm getting like, I'm tuning in and listening more to myself. 
And that's, that's so important for sure. I I'm curious when, and you're from San Diego, when did you decide, okay, I'm going to go give this a shot. I'm going to go be an actress and work in film and television or. Well, I mean, I, so I went to three different high schools and then I ended up at a boarding school, which was by choice. So I really wanted to go and I begged my parents and I went the middle of my sophomore year and uh, was bullied that year and then still went back the next year, which, hello, I mean, I think like my grit and my resilience was like developed in my youth and I, that's like still in me because uh, I can't believe I still chose to go back after what some of those kids did. Um, but I did, I, I, I came back stronger. And uh, then after that, I somewhat reluctantly went to college. I wasn't a very college driven person. That wasn't really something that I was more like, I want to get into the real world, the real world, the real life. Like I was just so traumatic about like starting my life, which like PS, like your, whatever stage of your life you're in is like living your life. So I don't, I I just kind of was, I had bought into the idea that when this happens, then I will feel this way, which is a, which is a myth that you'll it's, a, it's a total fallacy, right? Because we're yeah, that's, oh, that, totally. that's that destination mentality. It's the destination, yes. but it's quite honestly, in in other words of what you were saying, it's the journey, right? It's definitely the yeah. journey. I'm curious. Yeah. You know, you're talking about in high school, you were bullied, and that was like a real turning point for you, and like a big learning point. Um, can you share any, any specific details of like how you were bullied and how you kind of, you kind of came through that and how you coped? Yeah. Uh, there was a few things that happened, but, uh, I transferred the middle of my sophomore year and I was one of the few people that, um, is from, came from California. So it was a Midwest, you know, boarding school and, um, some girls decided to say that start some rumor that I was a slut because I was from California and girls from California are slutty, uh, which was really funny because if you knew me, that's so far from it. Uh, and um, there was a guy there that liked me and we went out one night on the bluffs and we were like talking about these like, hills or whatever in the back. It was a huge property. This like talking and I came back and, I was late for curfew and I was talking to a house mom and uh, these, I, I'm not going to say her name because I don't need to like shame her publicly or do what be mean to her like she was to me. But she started a rumor that I had said that um, he had wanted to have sex with me. And then I had said no. And, I, and none of that was true. And that, and she just was like, Sarah's a slut and started this rumor. Mm-hmm. And there were older girls and the thing about boarding school is like, you don't have a home to go to, like you go to your dorm and you go to school and you go to your dorm and you go to school. And so where is your safe space? Like, where is the place that is really like, oh my gosh. So that was really challenging. And then I had a roommate um, who used to sneak her boyfriend in and I, 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 I look back on this now and we had to have been like 14 or 15. I don't, I don't even know, but that's insane that she was having him sneak in and they were like, in bed together and we were like in these little twin beds in these dorms and I didn't really have a voice I mean I know you'd be surprised to hear this but I didn't really have a voice back then to a certain extent because I was the new kid so I was just kind of like 
trying to find my way. And there was like just so much going on. So I was like, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to cause a scene. I'm not going to cause a scene about this. Like this is uncomfortable that every night I'm like dealing with this, but uh, the house parents found out and she got in trouble and they said that I, and she told everybody that I had told on her and I hadn't. And so um, everywhere I went on campus, I was called a narc, either under the breath when I was walking down a hallway or I were getting on a school bus for a field trip and walking to the back. I had one friend at the time, Bree, what a sweet, sweet girl. She stood by me and she had a seat waiting for me on the bus. But as I remember walking down the bus, like aisle, hearing narc, 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 narc. And here's the thing. The reason I'm explaining that whole story is that then I became an adult and I became a teacher. And I was like, uh, um, excuse me, where were the adults? Mm. Because everybody knew what was going on. Every adult knew. Where was the adult that sat those girls down and said, that's not how we found out. Sarah didn't do that. Or that's not like, where was the rallying for the truth and bringing people together to talk about it? everybody knew what was going on. So that is probably why I'm so fiercely protective of the youth that we work with and also have zero tolerance when I was a teacher of any type of bullying or I could, cause you could see it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the biggest things is like becoming an adult and looking back and going, okay, I'm an adult now. And like, you can see what's going, you can see wrong from right. Like that. I don't, I'm so confused. I think when I was younger, I'm like, maybe they just don't see it. Or maybe some, maybe when you're an adult, you don't notice, but no, it's not true. Choose not to notice. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's such a, gosh, it's so hard at that age in the first place, much less when you are being bullied in such a manner. I mean, everything is taken so personally at that age anyways. And then it's like, let's pile on these falsities that, you know, to make you feel even worse and whatever else the bullying looked like in the teachers and the grownups rather, they definitely for sure saw it. And for whatever reason, weren't doing anything. So that's Wild. I had to live with I had to live with that girl for the rest of that like semester or whatever. However, I can't remember how we broke things down. Mm. Um, that's, that's so hard. And did you know in that moment you say I became an adult, I became a teacher. You grew up so fast due to that experience. Is that and and you know definitely you had to kind of have grit, of course, to get through that. But you also had to have like the mental fortitude to like validate your own self in that, in that time? Uh, or was it, was it your friend that, that one friend that was just so amazingly supportive? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think I had the wherewithal or the emotional intelligence to be like, we're going to dig deep, Sarah. And like, we're going to, you know, get through this. And, and like, I don't think it was that. I think it was my friend. I think it was having one friend. I mean, that's why I would always keep an eye out when I was a teacher or even now I really care about um, the mental health of our young adults, you know, and our team is like, you need one person, you need one person that like has your back. I mean, it's nice when you have more than that for sure. But Brie really, um, I don't even think she understands what she did for me during that time. I mean, it was just having somebody that believed me and, advocated for me and stood by me. Um, that was really, really special. Wow. It's so important. Um, even just having that one person that can really stand by you and stand up for you. And, and it's important for, for younger people to understand and adults alike. Like it's, it happens in adult, you know, life. 
when you see someone maybe even at a gathering of sorts and they're by themselves, like maybe they need to be approached and be, you know, be invited into, into the community of sorts of whatever that looks like. And maybe they can't do that on their own, you know? So it's always like a great reminder to kind of be that, that person sometimes. And sometimes someone will do that for you, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, It'll it'll definitely come back. I mean, in retrospect, do you look back at that time and and think it shaped you um, in a dramatic way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I I think for sure it's why I'm such a fierce advocate for youth. Um, and I'm so anti-bullying and I'm so protective. And I mean, I feel like I'm mental health is really important too, because I do feel like although we didn't use that language back then around mental health or depressed or anxious or any of that, we weren't talking like that. Uh, I was, I look back and I go, wow, I was really struggling and I didn't have anyone to talk to, but Brie was there and we were, and, and she was a day student. So she had a house in the area. So I could actually go to her house and we would make grilled cheese late at night and have sleepovers. And it was like, um, I, I just, I think that those years, it's probably why I have a whole company around supporting high schoolers is because I feel like high schoolers need a third space. You have school, you have home, and then hopefully you have wit, you know, which is, which is our organization, or you have just something, something else where you are accepted and your uniqueness is encouraged and we don't care about your social status at wit in, in your school circles. If you're popular or not popular, we don't even give a, I mean, that is like, I don't even care. I don't even care about your GPA. I want to know who you are and I want to help you be more you mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and make the world a better place. So I do think that those years were very formative, but I, I can't say that at that time I was going, I thought now when I grew up, I'm going to advocate for youth. No, uh-uh. It's, no, it's so interesting though. It's so interesting how those, those moments in our lives, you know, stay kind of in our, our stay within ourselves and they definitely mm-hmm. shape us. And we just don't even know it until it's time to look back on and reflect oh, really. Right. Totally. Um, yeah. So, so what, you know, what kind of made you take the pivot of, of deciding to really jump in and be a teacher, be an educator? It's, I wish it was something really inspirational. It actually was that I fell for a guy, the wrong guy, and uh, moved to a different city. And so I moved to this new city, San Francisco, for this guy. Uh, I think it was over before the boxes, like my boxes were unpacked in the apartment. And uh, so I, I do tell people, I mean, like don't move for the guy, but in my case, I'm such a I'm such a silver linings person, and I will turn anything into like good. So it was like, okay, well, uh, this didn't really work out, but now what? I you know left Hollywood, and I'm here now, and I got a teaching job down the street from my apartment, and with, with preschoolers, and they're four year olds, and. Uh, we named the class the butterflies and I will say this and I know this is going to sound dramatic but and I do and I'm but I'm a dramatic person so that's fine uh but um 
they saved me too. So really pivotal moments in my life are these like feelings of being like really saved and seen. So Brie, when I was in high school, these butterflies, when I was going through, you know, heartbreak and they could care less because they're like, I want my snack. And like, <laughs> I just had an accident in my pants. Like, you know, and you're like, don't you know how my heart is hurting? And they're like, um, <laughs> I don't care. I want a graham cracker. Uh, and so, so validating though, too, like when, when you can receive, like, it just goes to show you as a human also, you can receive from these, these little four-year-olds who aren't necessarily giving in the way that most adults tend to receive, but you were receiving from them from such a great place because you needed it. And I hate, hate, hate to romanticize uh, less than ideal situations. Like for example, moving yeah. out with the wrong guy. But sometimes those situations put us exactly where we're supposed to be. And it's leading leading us on the path, right? To the place where we ultimately are meant to be. At least that's, that's my opinion. I feel like nothing that's meant to be yours, you know, you, you can't mess that up. So you move for the wrong guy, but you still get down the path to where you're, where you're meant to be. I I would just say, cause I, to anybody listening that yes. And I mean, yes, it all works out in the end type thing and listen to your gut. I mean, I knew like I had a feeling this wasn't the right thing and I did it anyway, based on some human, like some will, some self will, some my, this is, you know, my life and this is how old I am. And I, this is probably what I should be doing. And and some low self-esteem at the time. And so I was accepting less than I deserved in a loving relationship. So I do, I do want to say that even, I, I think that, yes, you can turn really negative things around. And also it's important to, if we can, listen to those who have gone before so that we can avoid some of the heartache and the heartbreak. I mean, the world's going to give you enough heartbreak and heartache. It's okay if you you know, skip out on a few. <laughs> so, and that's, that's such a, um, such an important piece to the life puzzle, right? Is being able to listen to yourself and listen to your instincts and your, um, your intuition. And, and I think it, sometimes it takes Sometimes, when I say sometimes, I mean in my experience, especially, but in most of my close friends, it took us a long time to get to the place where we can say, wow, I really trust myself. I totally listen to myself. And it's not to say that we were ever wrong in the past, it's that we maybe didn't listen to ourselves. Like, that instinct was telling us this is what's really happening in your mind decides to say, no, this is what's happening. So it's it's almost a game of, all right, well, I'll show you, you know, that the the brain is wrong. You got to listen to the gut. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that I wish we taught more in schools or we really valued, you know, and, and talking to younger people about just the going inward and the, and the listening to yourself and, breaking patterns that, you know, you can start when you're young and there's just people aren't, it's not what's being focused on when you're younger, but then that's what makes you end up in on a therapist couch later or in self-help retreats or all these things is because you didn't get the tools when you were younger and then you try life and it's like, holy cow, like this is not healthy how I'm living. Right. And now I've got to go undo some things and unpack some things. So I think the thing for us at WIT is while we do focus you know, on this entrepreneurship education piece, 
we also really focus on emotional intelligence developments um, and EQ and uh, just learning how to listen to yourself and how to create your own, they could get clear on your values and create your own compass for life and learn how to trust that and listen to that. Uh, So trying, always trying to do a little bit better than it's, I mean, and that's, but that's so important. I mean, that, like you said, like what's not being taught are the things that we actually need to utilize in life to, yeah. to operate successfully, right? Whether it be in career or um, just interpersonal relationships in general. But when you look at the big picture, every single thing we do is an interpersonal relationship. So how are yeah. we communicating and how are we interacting with those people? And are we aware and all the things? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so important. I love that you teach that within wits, um, especially. And right. how, I mean, how long were you a teacher and what, what was it that you saw you needed to do in or, when you made that leap to go, like, I'm going to build this organization. What was like, okay. was there like a, a turning point, like an aha moment where you're like, I got to go do this. I feel like you want me to say yes to these lead ups. Like no. what was the inspiring moment? Cause I, I think, but I don't, they're never, they're not like inspiring moments. They're like hard moments that have led to big change. Right. But so, I think that, that is inspiring, you know, in <laughs> itself because the hard moments and you like really navigating through it to get to that place. That is inspiring. It's inspiring. Yeah. You know, it's inspiring to me. I think it's inspiring to a lot of people that, that, and it tells them that they can do hard things, get through the hard things, and achieve great things. Yeah, so I will say that if, if there's people that are listening that feel stuck or things are hard, that can also be like a really great place to leap from. Uh, I, I'm not the first person to say this, but like rock bottom is a great place to start. It's a solid foundation. So, you know, let's, let's go. I had been teaching. Uh, I went back to school and got my master's, and then I became a public school teacher with uh, first grade, second grade, fourth, fifth grade. And I was laid off every year. And I think it was like the fifth year I had been laid off in California. They have the last in, first out policy. So the last teacher hired is the first one fired. And that's a whole podcast for another time, episode around um, the education system. But uh, it was in once again being laid off. And the, the really twisted thing about how they lay you off when you're a teacher is you get pink slip. You get your pink slip like two months before school's out. So you still have to be teaching while knowing that you do not have a job the next year. That is wild. And yet, of course, because every most teachers go into teaching because it's a calling and a passion, you would never bring that negativity or worry into your classroom. So you buck up and you go in and you teach and you finish strong. Um, you do wit, as we say, you do whatever it takes. And that was my classroom motto when I was a teacher. And, uh, but the, it had been five years of this really dysfunctional, like getting laid off and getting hired, getting laid off. And I just asked myself, roller coaster too. Oh, it's, it's like being in a bad relationship. It, mm-hmm. It's like, does he like me? Does he not? Does he like, is he going to, and you're like trying to, what do I have to do to make them like me? Like, what do I, and it's just dysfunctional and it, there's no place for that kind of treatment of people in an education system. Yeah. But then we can't be surprised how messed up the education system is. If this is how we're doing things, you know, kind of at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was on a walk and I just had asked myself, 
if you could wake up tomorrow and do anything, what would it, what would it be? And that, I really did ask myself that. So this is where the profound moment ha- happened. Like this is where I listened. And I said, my, my answer to myself was, I would help kids be of service to others because I saw it help my kids, my, my, the kids I was teaching their self-esteem. And I remember where I was in the walk, like that's what I would do. I wasn't really clear on the how I was gonna do it. And I wanted to share that with people. Like you don't always have to know how you're gonna do something. You just kind of get into like, if you could do anything, what would it be? And don't worry about how it's going to get executed yet. Just like listen and and sit with what bubbles up for that. And so for me, it was that that was the answer. And then I just listened, I think. I mean, I kept going on my walk, but started really thinking about what would that look like. And I thought I would combine what I had learned in TV and film and what I learned as an educator and then launched a TV show that was about giving kids giving back in their communities. Oh, I love that. Similar to Extreme Home Makeover. It was like, it, it was a mix of Extreme Home Makeover and Oprah's Big Give at the time. We were, I pitched it to ABC as kids would write in and say, we want the basketball court done. Our library is up, you know, isn't good. And everybody would come together and do this improvement project in the community that everybody could enjoy, but it was led by the kids Mm. because in my classroom, we did a lot of service projects and I saw the confidence that would be, was built in people, in these kids when they were giving back and they were noticing that their actions brought a smile. So I was like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to pitch the show. And then ABC said, go get footage of kids making a difference. We're not sure if that's going to make good TV. And so I came back to San Diego and I, got footage at a, at a school and um, that school said, we love what you're doing and we want to, we want to have this program. And I'm like, it's not a program. And then here we are 10 years later. So. so tell, so tell us about wit. Like what is, I know it intimately to an extent and I think yeah. it's yeah. phenomenal and I tell everyone I know about it, like when it comes up organically in conversation, cause it's just, it's such a fantastic outlet for, for younger, for the younger generation. And it's so needed. It's so necessary. Um, and I wish I had it when I was their age. So tell us more about it. Yeah. I think we should create that, which we wish we had or that which we need. And I for sure wished I had what wit back in the day. So wit, um, just in short is a organization that provides teens and tweens entrepreneur education in the form of college credit courses in high school, uh, networking communities and hackathons. So if you are an entrepreneur who's listening and you think about the entrepreneur experiences that you have as an adult, you have things like YPO or EO or even Summit, these communities that bring entrepreneurs together. I feel like we should, young people that are entrepreneurial should be coming together. And so we have something called WIT Community where they can come together and they can learn from experts and CEOs and actors and people in all sorts of different fields so that they can actually get to see somebody doing the thing that they one day want to do mm-hmm. and then kind of build the confidence. Well, like if she can do it or he can do it, maybe I could do it. And then you learn directly from that person. And then you also have the opportunity at WIT to launch businesses or impact projects. So we are focused on teens and tweens around the world and we do virtual programming. And once we can all come together in person again, we'll do some meetups around the country. 
Totally, totally. Like I know it's it's been a a 10-year love affair yeah. with this organization. What like tell me a little bit about the journey and like what maybe some of the pain points were because I, I know you built this baby from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There have been really um painful moments. And I, I'm glad that you just acknowledged that in the question. Uh, anybody who's built something, whether it's a physical product that you built, a business, a relationship, I mean, it takes work. And we don't always see that because people see the, the press you get or the prizes that you get, or, and they think, oh my gosh, like that they have it all figured out. I do that sometimes too. And then I find out the behind the scenes and I'm like, oh yeah. Like the behind the scenes is that there were many nights where I was crying and there still are nights that are very hard as what we look ahead as to how can we best serve our young leaders during this time. And, and there were definitely bouts of imposter syndrome when I thought, who am I to even think that I could do this? And, um, uh, there were haters and people that wouldn't collaborate and tried to um, really like harm the organization. We went, I, I just remember that right now. That was hap- that happened to us uh, with a school in Austin, Texas. It was wow. brutal. Um, but I um, think they tried, I, I can, put a, they tried to put a kibosh on the whole organization. Yeah, they just were like, it was. It's so petty, like right. I mean, things get things can just be so petty. And we, I know you and I have talked about this. A lot of times when there's been tension with our, with like myself and, and an organization or the organization and things, it's usually because there's some type of lack mindset. Like there's just not enough to go around. Uh, so we, we can't collaborate with them because we already do that. Or, you know, we, we use a, an online platform to send flyers out to schools just to, this is what we do, share it with your school. We get rejected probably like two out of 10 times with the reasoning we don't promote programs that compete with what we already have at our school. And I always just think, Oh, that's so, like, that's so funny. Because, I mean, I get on paper, they're like, Oh, if they, if they go to wit, then they won't do this thing, but we should be teaching. Like, here's your choices. Yeah. You're robbing the kids of all the tools that they can pull from. Yeah. Yes. Like, think about all the different workouts we all do. Every week I do like a yoga, a hit, we, I run, I do bands, I do, I lay in Shavasana for like a long period of time. Like, I mean, these are like, we do a variety of things to take care of ourselves. So we should be allowing people to do a variety of things to help them through their teenage years. So when adults are the gatekeepers that don't allow for opportunities, I just, that's been the biggest challenge for us. For me personally, because I just don't like that kind of, Totally. Um, you never know what works best for any given yes. child. So maybe this tool works best for half your kids in that school. And then your tool that, that you have in-house works best for the other half, you know? Totally. And you just never know, but you don't know. You shouldn't be, you know, kind of restricting their options. That's a very strange, yeah. strange situation. Um, was there ever, I mean, that sounds awful. I would hate to have to come up against that at any school. Cause it's kind of like, Hey, we're all here to do the same thing. Right. Essentially. Yeah, thank you. Uh, like, wait, kids first, right? Like kids students first. first, right? So, so with all of that, and I'm sure yeah. so many other moments of, of whatever growing pains, even just within the business and then personally aligned as well, like kind of parallel happening. Was there ever a moment where you were just like, 
I can't do this. I am. Of course. I quit. Of course. Of course. I mean, maybe every six months or every year. Right. I mean, there's a moment of like, uh, you know what? Like, I can't do this anymore. But the, the thing that I'm, I've gotten a lot better at is that, um, that sentence is true. So when I say I can't do this anymore, that's true. So where do I need to ask for help? Mm. What do I need to do? Because this way isn't working. So in the past, I would say something like that, very defeated and like, I'm done. I'm over this. Like I'm out. And I would just kind of disappear for like a week or so. I mean, I could just, I just would just, it was not good. Mm. Now, when that comes to the surface, that expression, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I look, I ask myself, okay, well, the first word there is I. So, and this is an organization with a team and people. So uh, get your, like, this isn't all you. So a little ego reality check there. Um, You're not doing it all. You could never do it all. You have a great team. And the other thing is, it's like, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. I try to look at like, what is this? Like, what is this? And then figure out where that pain is and then go, okay, well then what's the, what's the solution is the pain. I can't keep dealing with parents like this, or, you know, I can't keep dealing with whatever that is. And then I figure out well, what systems do we have to put in place to alleviate that pain or that burden? Like, that's how I try to think about it. Like, Mm-hmm. there is truth to, I can't do this anymore. So what, let's figure out where, what we can do. In the context of how it's being done right now. Yes, for sure. To your, to your point, I mean, I, I know a lot of us are, it's hard to ask for help because we think that shows yeah. this, when in reality, that is the strongest thing you can do is to say, hey, I can't do this alone. I need help. Can someone help me? And we're, we are built to want to help each other. Humans are built to want to help in community with each other. And so it's just such an interesting dynamic of, I don't ask for help because it makes me look weak, but in reality, when you ask for help, you will, you will receive, you know, you really will receive the help you need. And so I think, uh, I think that's, that's one of those things that can kind of play with your mind. Like you're like, Oh, I'm being weak right now. I'm asking for help. And it's just such a good reminder to validate your feelings and know that it's super strong and courageous to be like, I can't do this alone. Mm. Well, I mean, your listeners should know that you received a call from me about four months ago that said that. Yes. <laughs> Where I was, I was in and I just ugly cried and all the things. So, I mean, it, I'm definitely grateful that you are somebody who makes it clear that you will help if, if, you know, someone like me who has a hard time asking for help, I felt like I could come to you and just say, like, I need help and just let it all out. And you were there and you helped and you really supported me and you supported the organization and our teams during a hard time. And so that's also so important, too, is to have the people that, you know, are on your team. That's so important. And, and thank you for saying that, too, because that that was definitely a pleasure for me to get to jump in and and help on such a cool initiative you're doing with those kids. Summer camp, by the way, everyone, summer camp is a thing during COVID. It is virtual and it is amazing at wit. So, you know, any teens, 13 to 18, you know, like head on over. It's so much fun. And so 
uh, educational and just, you learn so much, all the things it's incredible. And I had so much fun and, and I'm so, I felt, I felt, um, you know, so grateful that you felt comfortable too coming to me and, and being able to have that conversation. Cause I know it's a hard conversation to have. I've, I've been, been there many times before. Mm -hmm. So it's always, it's always a good reminder too, when you can be on the receiving end and help, help a friend through those moments as well. Um, I, I guess I would ask you too, like, uh, you know, as we're chatting about these kids and, and, you know, I mean, and I say kids, they're, yeah, I know they're I not, them, I know. <laughs> they're teenagers, but I call them kids too. And they know I mean that lovingly teenagers. Uh, what if, you know, if you could go back in time and give Sarah or, or any, you know, tween at that age, 16, 17, 18, if you could go back and give them some, just the, some of the best advice you could muster up, um, you know, knowing everything that you know up to this point, what would be that one piece of like a golden nugget? I, I love that question. We, I think, gosh, eight years ago we had a, and it went on for a while. We had a project, we had a business in which that was started by a teen, a, a group of teenagers and then it was passed down through the years and it was called project 16. And all it was, was going around asking adults, what advice would you give your 16 year old self? Oh, I love that. And they would film their answers. And we went, I took them to, this was back in the day where we were a smaller organization and I was very hands-on and we went to LA for a few days and, uh, they ran into uh, Stanley from the office and they asked him that question and videoed his answer. And we it really, and, and Bill Nye, the science guy. So there, this question has been um, a part of wit for a long time. Uh, what advice would you give your 16 year old self? My usual go-to answer is he's not worth it. And I mean that by just, I was very boy crazy when I was younger and really was sometimes more focused on him and quotes, like whoever that my crush was at the time versus uh, focusing on myself and what I wanted and who I liked and what was just, just putting the focus back on myself. Uh, so I, that's kind of what comes to mind when I just think of those years. Um, and I also say like, well done. I just say well done to her because gosh, if I was not like put through the ringer by the time I was 16, just with schools and just like some social things that had happened and I didn't. And even to this day, I haven't lost like my joy or my insistence on there being good, even in tough situations or fight for the silver linings or something else that we teach at WIT. So I would, and I just would want her just to remind, just to remind her that like, you are enough because a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the boy crazy stuff or the eating disorder or the, um, stressful social situations or it just came from something inside of me thinking that I wasn't enough as is. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just... That's, that's phenomenal advice, especially in this day and age where, kids are, you know, teens and, and later teens, tweens, I guess, um, 
it's so readily available to be able to compare themselves to people on the internet, you know, on social media. Whereas when we were, when we were kids, you know, we, we still had those same bad habits of comparison, but it was at least in this like confine of just the kids at our school, you know, or the women in the magazines, you know, or the magazine, but I wasn't scrolling that much. I mean, if you think about that, we still had the issues back then. And we didn't even, I can only imagine, you know, I with it. Only imagine for a kid now, like I can't, I can't yeah. imagine. I feel for them. So I think that's, it's, it's doubly, triply important to ingrain that, that, um, you know, the sentiment of you are enough, you are complete, you are enough there. He is definitely not worth it. And I love that. <laughs> I love that as in a universal uh, piece of advice, he could be, you know, whatever is being silly and distracting you in that moment, right? It could be a yeah. human, it could be a, a dumb habit, a bad habit, whatever have you. And I think it's just so good to remind young, young people that you are enough. You don't need that outside validation. You are enough. And, and that goes back to having, you know, that at least that one person who's in your corner, um, yeah. to really anchor you and remind you of that too. Cause we need that sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And, um, yeah, it's just so important. I would, I would be curious, you know, you, you speak of all those sh- struggles from a young age. What do you right now in your womanhood, do you still struggle with, um, whether it be personal well, or professional? I mean, it's not enoughness. It's not rocket science. I mean, that's why I'd go back and tell her she was so that we wouldn't have to be dealing with this shit now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, but so, what tools do you use to like try to, to, you know, cause I know you're such an introspective woman and I love that about you. And what, what tools do you find are the most effective to kind of, you know, validate yourself and tell yourself you are enough? Well, I've done a lot of work. I mean, I've, I, you know, went to therapy for three years in my 30, I think like, I don't know exactly what years they were, um, had a great person that I would talk to. I recently went to something called, uh, the Hoffman process, uh, which was a game changing experience for me. Um, and it was a 10 day away from no tech, nothing going inward. And it was, it was transformative. It was probably uh, one of the hardest things that I've done. I kind of put it up there with it running a marathon, except this was an emotional marathon. And I came out to coronavirus, so like COVID. Like it, we, we didn't know what was going on and then we came out to it. Um, but I got so many tools there. Uh, and I did so, I, had, I did so much um, reprogramming and just... Um, just a letting go of a lot of just like things I didn't even know I've been holding on to resentments, wounds. Um, you know, I can talk about these things that happened in the past with some levity because they're like, I, they don't, they're not, they're not me. And also I could say like, maybe that's not even what happened too, you know, because there's like so many sides to so many to stories, but, um, I, I do every morning I do a, uh, a quadrinity check, a quad check, which is something that's a Hoffman technique. You can find it online on Instagram. I do that. And uh, you say Hoffman method as in Wim Hof. Wim Hof? No, 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 no. Um, no, but I know what that is. I do know but what that I, is. I, I do I, that I, too. I do a lot of cold <laughs> like plunging and I do like the breath works and all that. But yeah. the Hoffman process is a retreat that you go to and it's 
their tagline is when you're serious about change. And when I found them after being, they had been brought up and they've been recommended to me for many years. Um, well, I'd say for a couple of years, I'd, he- I'd been hearing about it. I went online and I, when it said, you know, when you're serious about change and I was serious, like I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of the mm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I thought I'm going to do this thing. And I'm so glad I did. And I highly recommend it. And they're having a lot, they have a lot of free services out right now um, for people during this time. But that really helped. I have, I've got a great uh, personal relationship with God. That's really helpful for me. Like, you know, God that of my own understanding and that works for me. Um, And I'm really clear on who my people are too. So So, yeah, I can, I can text, you know, somebody and say like, this is what I'm feeling or tell you, can you jump on real quick and I can have a moment and a reminder. And then that really is helpful. So I don't isolate as much anymore as like I used to when I was feeling low. Um, And that's such a hard thing to do when you are low is to like bring yourself out and, and, you know, reach out to people. It just doesn't happen when you're in that space. You're like, Oh, I can't do that. Every, and you uh, you make this narrative up in your mind that everyone else is doing great. They're out there happy. Everything's great. And I'm just the only one that's in this place. And it's, it's, that's why I love that you, you focus so much on mental health at WIT. It's so important for, for young ones to really understand they're, they're never alone. You are never alone. And, um, there's, there's people out there that care and there's, there's tools to like help you with whatever you're, you know, to help you navigate whatever you're feeling. Um, so I love, love, love that you do that. Um, I, I do have one more question that I, I'm not sure if you, if you had a chance to think about it or if you've ever thought about it rather, who, who's one of your, Favorite gritty girls of all time ever, and why? You think it's a great question. I mean, I was pretty darn gritty growing up. I think about like I. I this is the, I'm I'm buying time to answer this question, but I wanted to, I'll share that because something I just thought about was. When I think of gritty, I think of like, I, I really think of myself at 10 years old. Uh, I was both like in, you know, dresses and skirts and all the things, but also like sweaty on the soccer field and skateboarding. And, and I was just, I just remember being really like good with whatever I was, I just wasn't super impacted by what was happening in my social life. And I was like, school was whatever. And I, I just had friends, but I was just living my best life. And then things changed in like fifth grade with, with some things. And, but, um, I have a, I have a picture frame of, of the, my 10 year old self in mm-hmm. the area where I get ready. And like, I, rem- I like, like to do things that she would be like, thank you for like, cause that's who we are. Like I, like I said earlier in this podcast, I do feel like our truest version of ourselves just is there inside of us. It just got like a lot of stuff, like and expectations piled on and some, and, and some trauma and some really tough things, but she or he, or, you know, they, they're in there. And so it's, it's like that when we, I just like to be as in touch with that real version of myself. Um, and then, to that end, tell myself today, like, what could you do today that your future self will thank you for? Mm. Um, 
and, and keep my future self in mind as I'm making choices today. Uh, I think my role models of grit, when I think of just people that have been, I mean, my mom, I mean, my mom is uh, very successful and she built that. And she really did whatever it takes. I'm sorry that my dog just, he's he's agreeing. My dog is agreeing because he knows. He's He's like, yes, indeed. (laughs) Yes, he does whatever it takes. Uh, And she did. And there are some really amazing stories of that. And she will, she can tell those stories, but uh, I know them and I know where she dug deep and where she showed up and she did things for her kids uh, to make sure that we had every had things. And, um, you know, my, I, I just think that's what I'm kind of thinking about is, is what she's done and being a role model in that way. Um, that strength. And yeah, that's amazing. I don't think she would call herself that though. I don't think she would think that about herself, but I will remind her of that today. I'm going to have dinner with her and the family tonight. That would be a really nice treat to share that with her for sure. I'm sure she will super appreciate it. And, and since we're, we're kind of in that realm, you know, you were talking about, you know, what, when you think about grit, what you think about, what does it mean to you? Like, what does it mean to you to be gritty, even in your, in your life now? Like, you may label it as something else, but what does grit mean to you? Grit means you fall down. Maybe you even scrape yourself. But you get up, and you keep playing, and you keep going, and you win. I mean, I think that's... And that can be for real. I mean, I, I did that on the soccer field. I've done that, you know, in um, in sports. Uh, but I've also done that in life. And I think I think it's the moment when you choose to get back up. Mm-hmm. That's so- where you develop the grit. Because if you think about it, like, and you're laying down there, when you've, like, fallen, whether it's, you know, on the field, and it's, like, there's a, there could be a little bit of, like, embarrassment of, like, oh, my gosh, I, like, just, like, did this, and so then I kind of want to be taken off the field because I just want to kind of, like, or I, you know, um, I'm frustrated, and I, you know, I'm, she pushed me, and now I'm, like, a wounded animal, and I'm, like, I'm, and, and I'm a victim, and, like, all that, whatever, but the moment that you decide to get up, I'll just say that I decide to get up, is where I have built my grit muscle. Because whenever I've been knocked down, whether it's through somebody's words or actions or you know physically, um, I've always gotten back up, sometimes slower than others. I think it's just gonna be the time that I, you know, I, I don't think there's gonna be a time when I don't get up. Mm, mm. I think that's, that's so beautiful and it's so, it speaks to perseverance. It speaks to like strength of character and mental fortitude, really. I mean, it's, it's, it really getting back up really takes all, almost all the pieces of the pie that consist in grit. So I think that's, it's so right on. It's so real. Um, what, you know, what would you say? It's clearly you're really great at getting back up. What would you say? Yeah, um, <laughs> gotta just stop getting knocked down. 
<laughs> but that, but that's how, life, right? what needs to change so that I don't have to keep practicing and developing this skill. <laughs> yeah. Cause it is a developed, it is a developed <laughs> skill and it is a strength and skill. And, and then, you know, it's, it's one of those things I think of grit as you do develop it, you, you, it builds and it, it, it gets, you know, it scales within you. And then you get to a place where you have so much more wisdom that you don't necessarily you're not integrating it into every little thing. So then it wears down a little bit and, and you have to build it back up sometimes. And life is, is like this, this little wave of, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, being able to relax for a minute and then having to get back up and really push, you know, um, yeah. what is the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm. I mean, the only quote that I ever had when I had an office was one that I wrote on my whiteboard and it was my dad. And my dad said, still says like, there's always enough time to do the right thing. I Um, love that. I love that. And that's helped when I've wanted to take a shortcut, you know, or that's helped when I haven't, I knew that I was like wrong, but I could kind of get away with not admitting I was wrong. And like, I could just kind of like want to just like avoid something. And the right thing is to make amends when you know that you've done something wrong um, or try to make it right to the best of the ability. Uh, when, yeah, it's helped me just probably stay in alignment with like my character. Cause it's like, what are you doing when no one's watching kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's easy to be, a certain way when that when people are following you and watching you and everything but like what about what, what kind of choices do you make when no one's watching yeah so definitely. i think it's uh yeah there's always enough time to do the right thing yeah that's so good oh your dad yeah. we'll, we'll quote your dad on that one yeah he get i mean that's that's it's just it comes to mind a lot mm-hmm. i mean i wouldn't say a lot anymore because i now i kind of just do it Mm-hmm. But it's one that I, I think of that was, that was really, was, was stuck with me. And, and it, and it clearly followed you through your whole, it's one of those things, yeah. something's very, you know, it resonates and you align with it. You're going to be reminded of it consistently throughout your life. So it definitely plays a huge role in every role you've played in your life. And it definitely plays a, a huge role in wit and whatever it takes. And, you know, doing the right thing with the kids and, and going about it the right way. And, and, you know, all of that. So that's such a, it's such a beautiful, simple sentence mm-hmm. to just remind ourselves of, you know, um, speaking of wit, like what's, what's next in your world? What's next with wit? What's next with you? Like, is there anything amazing that you just can't, like, you're just bursting to tell me? <laughs> uh, what's next in your world? I don't know, but I know I'll be ready because I've got grit. Hey, there it is. Because I'm a gritty girl. Yes, Uh, it is. Amen to that. um, (laughs) It feels, okay, let's see. How do I feel right now about wit? I mean, I'll speak for myself here. I won't make assumptions about how everybody was was dealing with COVID and their programs or their businesses, but there was a time a few months ago, I keep saying a few months ago, but I guess this thing's been going on much longer than a few months ago, but a few months ago where we thought, I thought the organization thought, okay, by the time we, you know, it would come back to the, 
to the fall, we'll be able to kind of, things will be back to normal. Yeah. And I had a realization, I think like three weeks ago, um, where I, I took some time, uh, and I went away for a few days to Joshua tree first time, really cool place, really good experience. And I just kind of realized, uh, this is it. Like there, this is what it is. And so now what, what are you going to do? And then I, I came home and I was going through some, like just having some morning time, like my morning, morning kind of meditation time. And I went to go count how many days were left in the year. Hmm. And I, I do laugh at the memes and I do like, you know, like we can't, you know, 2020 is the worst. Can't wait till it's over. But I'm also the person that's like, wait, there's still a hundred days left. Like, what can I do? Totally. What can I, what can I do with these remaining days and how can I make this like a great year? Because I can, I have, you know, that I can make that choice and then take action around that. And I think that's what I'm just doing. So there's not, there's like, there's not like big things happening at WIT right now. I mean, we are accepting enrollments. We are, you know, welcoming new kids, which is always very exciting. But it's more just it's a mindset realizing. Shift. Like mindset shift of sorts. It's a mindset shift of like, we're not, we were living in, we kind of were a little like survival mode for a while. Like most people, you know, like we got to keep, you know, duct tape some things and kind of get things going and keep things moving and stay afloat, whatever. Well, we don't need to do that. We are floating and we're fine. And we don't have to function like we're in survival mode all the time. I have this reminder I have to tell myself too. And let's just accept what this is and then let's make it really beautiful and special and good and, 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 and impactful. I mean, we can do a lot in a hundred days and I am so thankful for my team. I was talking to one of my team members the other day or like texting his name, CJ. And I was expressing some concerns I have about um, enrollment or things. And he's like, it's just one kid at a time. Like, let's just take care of like one kid at a time. And I thought, yep, that's what we're going to do. Just mm-hmm. going to make sure that every kid that we have is just taken care of and we're showing up for them. And then we'll just, because we've had to we sh- do like some shifting with our programming and that's adjusted some of our numbers and all your entrepreneurs who are listening can relate to that feeling of like, wait, I thought we had like built this thing and we were good. And then we got rocked and now we're doing this again. But a lot of entrepreneurs, like we're built for this. We're built for those tough moments and we kind of go inward and we, and we figure them out. And um, we kind of like the challenge, I think. Um, But I, I just, there's not a specific thing that I'm. Weird time. It's a very strange time. That doesn't even begin. That's not even beginning to describe the tip of the iceberg, strange and weird. It's just, it's so much, there's so much around this time right now. It's, it's devastating. It's weird. It's, you know, it's hard. It's challenging. It's a struggle. There's so much change happening that sometimes I think we don't even allow ourselves time to sit with it and notice what the change is and, and how we can, you know, teetering on, you know, being careful not to be like I think there's like toxic positivity right now. There is a new buzzword thing maybe, or maybe it's been around and I'm just starting to see a lot of it, but I, you know, cause I'm a very silver lining person too. And I'm trying to, to distinguish between, am I being, you know, 
am I, am I exhibiting toxic positivity or am I just really trying to make the best of my situation? And I, uh, I hope it's always the latter, but I definitely now am being a lot more aware of how I'm framing, you know, the silver linings that I'm seeing, you know? Uh, oh, for sure. You know, you know, I, so Sarah, I, yeah. I'm so, I am just so grateful that you came on and you shared your story. I think, uh, you know, young people, especially, and women of all ages, women and men, it's, you know, this isn't relegated to just women, but so many people can learn from these very human experiences and, and just by opening up and like sharing our very truth and what we've been through in the past and how it, it brought us on this journey to where we are now. So I can't thank you enough for just being your authentic, amazing self and like sharing so truthfully, like who you are and, and kind of what your past is and where you are now. And I, I just adore you for that. And I think you're courageous and amazing. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I and will, it's very true. <laughs> I will take that in and say, I'm honored to be here and you know, and I'll do anything you. Oh, that means literally the world. Well, my love, I can't wait to see you in person and give you the biggest hug or even with mask. I don't care. I just want to see you hug you and catch up, you know, like whatever that looks like, but, um, hopefully that's soon and we can make that happen. I would love that. It's so good to see you. So good to see you. This has been Gritty Girls, the podcast you come to for your dose of badassery and inspiration from some of the most influential, accomplished women on the planet. Please subscribe today. I would super appreciate it. I'm Jillian Christie. This is Gritty Girls, and we'll see you next time.